Welcome back to the Seven Figure Music School podcast. In last week's episode, we interviewed Jeff Homer, really unique guy, unique in the fact that he owns 41 music schools. We wanted to invite him back on the podcast to tell us how he manages those 41 music schools and tell us he did because in last week's episode, he detailed how he has hired 34 general managers to be his boots on the ground in his schools that are all around the United States. That interview was so good that it went on for a very, very long time. And so we made the decision to cut that episode in half. So last week's episode talked about what is a general manager and what makes a good one and what they do, the day-to-day operational things that they do to run those schools. And in today's episode, we're talking to Jeff about how he finds, recruits, hires, and retains great general managers. We even get into the details of compensation and benefits really practical information. Practical because if you as a music school owner want to share the burden of ownership with a trusted team member, you have a lot to learn from Jeff. Like I said, this represents the second half of the interview that we began last week. So we're going to actually jump in midstream. So here we go. Maybe it's time to get into recruitment and retaining a good GM. What do you think, Nate? Yeah, I love the retention piece on this because you've already touched on it around profit sharing, uh, which is super interesting to me. So I'd like to hear about that. Um, I'm curious on the recruitment tip, if you have any more to share on that, because you talked about the two buckets where you draw from. You didn't use buckets, but I use buckets. So the two areas that we draw from, which I totally appreciated. um, But I'm curious how often you look beyond, say, the geographic area or are there any other tips on finding those people from one of those two areas that you'd like to share? Yeah. Yeah. Look, this goes back to our belief that um, in our system, and you know, we have to be thoughtful about you know what other systems might look like and whether this is the same or different. But in our system, what we're looking for, we don't think are unusual or rare right. skills. Right. And so there's, there should never be a case where we have to pay somebody to move from you move across the country to take a GM job because there should be somebody there local. That's a lot, that's a lot better fit and just kind of lower risk. Right. Um, I think, you know, like I said, the, the maybe, maybe half or more of our schools came with a general manager that was doing functionally was doing the general manager job before we took over. Um, and then of the remainder you know, maybe two thirds, we hired, um, you know, a member of the existing staff into that role, you know, usually a teacher, but sometimes just a a kind of rank and file administrator. Um, And sometimes we hired somebody, you know, from outside the business uh, to come in and and to lead that. Um, I think in terms of, you know, you hire for this role the same way you do for a front desk role, you just have a higher standard, right? Um, You're looking for someone who's personable, who's going to be a great ambassador for, you know, what you're trying to communicate to everybody. Again, everybody that walks through the door, what do we want to communicate? This is a fun place where we teach high quality music lessons and we have professional staff that are here to assist you with whatever your goals may be from, you know, fun beginning to pre-professional and beyond. Um, And, um, you know, so someone that can credibly communicate that to students, parents, and teachers. Um, so that's, you know, that, there's a lot of soft skills, right? There's a lot of behavioral interview questions and that kind of stuff. And then, you know, 
have you, do you have administrative experience? Do you have scheduling experience? Do you have phone experience? Do you have, you know, um, do you have, you know, generic customer service experience um, or scheduling experience? I forget what thing I, I mentioned. So, you know, folks that are coming from, you know, medical office, right. uh, you know, mm. classroom teaching, like lots of backgrounds have been successful where, and I think a lot of them really, val- a lot of candidates really love the idea they're going to work in a music school. I think that's a fun environment. And so, I think we compete really competitively for for talent because it's a it's perceived to be a positive place to to come to work. That's cool. um, and you know I think I, I think it's really fun yeah. to spend my time at this yeah. school. I think it's a great place to hang out. And so I think we you know we, we do well at attracting folks that yeah you know are going to have the skills but um, are just going to be dynamic you know mm. leaders uh, of of the community. And um, that's that's going to do your GMs skew younger are they older is there a mix across the board i'm curious i know that's a little more of a specific question but but it, it'd be I'm yeah curious. Uh, i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure our youngest general manager is 24 or 25 so very young that. and doing really well in that role and um we have a couple of general managers in the late wow. 60s mm. um so you know full full gamut um and yeah different like different challenges right um you know, one end of that spectrum, you know, learning how to yes. be a leader, be a boss, you know, manage mm-hmm. people, um, but like really energetic, very tech savvy, very social media savvy, you know, lots of pros and cons there. You know, the converse is also true, right? You know, lots of experience uh, managing people, working, you know, being a member of the workforce, but having to manage across generations and to deal with, you know, folks with different work expectations and, um, you know, make technological, um, you know, build, build new technology skills and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a mix. And, and I think one of the things that I did not anticipate at all when we embarked on this journey was how valuable the community of general managers that we have would be mm. to each other because they have such diverse backgrounds and skill sets. They are able to get together and like be like, hey, I'm an expert on this. Let me help you with that. Um, and so, you know, we don't have to give the easiest example. We don't have 30 people making a happy Labor Day graphic. We have one awesome graphic designer making it and we all rip it off. Right. And we we all send it out to our schools on social media and that kind of stuff. And so, you know, from from the software tools that we use to, you know, to the day to day challenges of being a customer service person, yes. um, you know, there's there's folks that are that are always raising their hand to say, hey, if you have this challenge, like come to me, I'd love to take your call. I'd love to help you with this. And I didn't plan for that or even really encourage it in any formal way. It just happened really organically that we just put our GMs in touch with each other and we said, have fun. You know, you guys are all peers. And I think back to your question about retention, this is this is one of two superpowers for Ensemble as it relates to GM retention. One is this community, right? So previously, being a, being a general manager can be a lonely job, right? You're, the, you're kind of... You're, you're on the brunt of a lot of negative feedback, you know, from time to time, you, you know, there's, there's nobody really to vent that to. And, you know, you're, you don't have a peer in that role because it's, it's kind of specialized kind of thing. So imagine instead being catapulted into a situation where you have 34 really awesome, really experienced, really caring peers that are willing to hear you out, to help you with your problem, you know, to give you advice on your situation. I think that's been really positive. Um, not just to avoid teasing it, that the second superpower I was going to point to is we have we can offer career progression beyond general manager. That's probably not available in a lot of right. places. But you know, we have a need for regional managers, for shared services staff, 
where we can say with a straight face, hey, you know, if you do a good job in this role, there's something beyond it. And it's not just you're going to run this school on the front desk forever and then you're going to have to move on to a new challenge when you're ready for something new. We, within Ensemble, we can offer that career progression. And I think that um, has been really exciting and motivating to a subset of folks for whom that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, can I circle back on your soft skills comment? Because I want to sure. look at um, interviewing. Because uh, I want to I want to sh- be sure our listeners leave with some very specific upgrades that okay. they might add. Uh, let me tell you. Let me tell you my three favorite interview questions go, for, for administrators. Okay, right. Number one: Imagine that you are a parent of a student who's looking for music lessons. What do we have to do to be attractive to you? You know, some version of that, right? Put yourself, can you empathize with a parent? Can you understand what they're looking for in a music school? And, um, you know, come up with a good answer about, about, you know, imagining what the parent's looking for, how we can, how we can A, have it, and B, communicate that we have it, or show, you know, show or demonstrate that, that we are the right fit. Um, question number two, you know, as much as our students, you know, pay the bills around here, I think our teachers, you know, are also our clients, right? They have a lot of options in terms of where they spend their time, their skills are in demand. They could teach anywhere, including out of their living rooms. Why do you think a teacher comes to teach in a music school? And how do we make their experience here as good as we can? Mm. And, you know, do they understand that a lot of the value of, of the, to the teacher of, of the music school environment is this job, the one that they're taking, they are the benefit to the teacher of taking on that administrative load and sheltering them from having to collect money and enforce policies and, you know, find students and all this kind of stuff. Um, and and that, that is the service that we're ultimately providing to our teachers. And that's why we get a share of the revenue, right? And that's why we get a share of what we charge the students is because we're providing these services to the teachers in exchange for that. Mm. Um, so, you know, those those sorts of like, you know, do you understand, ultimately what, what I'm driving at with both of those questions is do, do you understand the people you're going to be responsible for serving, right? Do you understand what their what their needs are? And can you empathize with them? And can you tell me how you're going to be successful at, at serving them? Um, and, you know, uh, even, even in cases where, you know, they may not understand, you know, how the teacher feels, especially if they're not coming from a teaching background or from a music background, you know, are they at least giving, you know, answers about, well, you know, I assume that they want to show up to a place that's, you know, that's well run where the, you know, the scheduling communication is clear and expectations are clear. And this, you know, that like the environment is conducive to having, you know, a fun and positive experience. And like, you know, that's a fine answer. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to get too deep into their mind, but can you, can you successfully put yourself in the shoes of the people you're going to be serving and, and understand what their needs are and how you might, you know, start to address them? How do you, them? uh, real story here at BMF, cause we're always just trying to keep it like you said, we don't want to talk on hypotheticals. We only want to talk about what's actually happening on the ground. Um, we have a wonderful, wonderful camp manager who um, has built incredible trust and camaraderie amongst all the teachers. It's absolutely feel supported, yet also struggles with those high-impact parents. So, so has difficulty facing that piece of the communication piece but is great with the teacher communication piece. And, and we all know that actually communicating with teachers is also high impact, right? It's not easy to be communicating consistently mm-hmm. with teachers. Um, I'm curious, this gets me to my next um, series of questions, Jeff, on really coaching GMs and retaining great ones. 
I'm I, I think I know a little bit about how you structure things, but you said we're on the phone almost every day with our GMs. Tell me who like what is the support system? How do they get onboarded? Mm-hmm. What's the training like in the first, say, one month? And then what's the ongoing support system for them? And I'm thinking more in terms, less in terms of like, how do they get what they need? Like, I need graphics for X or we need to improve marketing here. I'm thinking more in terms of those um, less concrete. You said they need to exhibit leadership. Well, you and I both know that takes real one-on-one coaching to get there. Unless, of course, they happen to be someone who came from that GM, you know, a management position, et cetera. Um, Can you just describe what's the first month of onboarding to help that GM just get situated? And then what's the ongoing coaching that they get from you or other regional GMs or whomever? Can you just share with us? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So for the first to answer your question about structure. So every every school has a local general manager that's that is responsible for the community. And some schools share. So some GMs are, are serving two or three mm. locations. Um, and you know, those are those are incredible folks that are doing right. a great job for us. Every one of those general managers is backed up by a regional manager. Um, some of those regional managers are myself. Uh, I'm still wearing a regional manager hat and working to pass that off, you know, quickly um, as we as we grow. But I'm still functionally serving as regional manager for a portion of our schools. Jake, our head of operations, uh, who lives in New York City, is is functionally our regional manager for uh, you know for um, the East Coast, and you know we're working to dot the map with regional managers in places where it makes sense and, and kind of you know kind of build that. But so every GM has a primary person to whom they report and whose job is to support them in every phase of the journey. Um, in terms of what onboarding looks like, we have a, you know, we have a short, but I think, you know, pretty powerful overview of our philosophy that we give to all of our new administrative staff as they come on. And it basically talks about our, what is ensemble? Why does it exist? Right. And, you know, we exist to serve, to serve our, our schools that are part of ensemble. I harp all the time on the fact that we at, you know, the, the ensemble level teach no music lessons and generate no revenue for the business. We are a cost center. Our only function is to, is right. to support schools. Interesting. And so to make sure that the GM knows like, this is not a corporate pyramid. You're not like going up the ladder. Like we are here to back you up and you know, your success will be our mm-hmm. success. Um, it goes through our beliefs about, you know, how to, you know, how to run a successful music community. Um, you know, the core to that belief is that, um, being attractive to students and being attractive to teachers are mutually reinforcing. That the more attractive we make ourselves to students, we get more students, we become more attractive to teachers, mm-hmm. we attract and retain great teachers, we become more attractive to students. There's this runaway success train of successful music schools where if we get on the path to success, um, we will have really fun and, and, um, and really great outcomes. Um, and then we talk about uh, the back to the KPI question from, an, you know, from 45 minutes ago or, you know, maybe an episode ago, depending on how this gets cut up. Um, sorry to, to, to break the fourth wall there. Um, but, uh, but, you know, so we talk about KPIs. How are we going to, how are we going to talk about success? And we're going to, I tell them, we're going to, we're going to view um, ads and drops, you know, net enrollment growth as being our primary indicator of success. We care, you know, 
adding 20 and dropping 10 is very different from adding 50 and dropping 40. Yes. Like, you know, th those are not the same, those are not the same outcome. So thinking about churn, thinking about gross additions as being kind of key indicators, and then also thinking about seasonality and um, inventory. And again, every time we've said inventory, I mean less in inventory, not like retail goods inventory um, and availability and all that kind of stuff. And so talking about ag agreeing upfront on how are we going to measure our success? What does this look like? And how are we going to know if we're doing a good job? And the last part is kind of how to talk about Ensemble because we are, you know, we are very um, local school forward. So when we acquire a school, we do not change the name. We do not endeavor to change the culture or to homogenize them in any way other than kind of from a systems and software perspective. Um, so we are still, you know, Tampa Music School and we are still a really fun place to bring your kid in South Tampa. And these folks at Ensemble are not relevant to our parents. Mm. And so we don't, you know, we don't emphasize anything other than, hey, did you know that we have 25 really awesome teachers right here in South Tampa and this is what we're doing. Um, and then conversely to our teachers who are aware that they're becoming totally. part of something bigger and how to explain that to them and how to address folks that are going to be naturally excited about that and see that as opportunity and how to address folks that are um, going to be naturally uh, uh, suspicious of something that sounds a little corporate and not rock and roll and mm. um, you know, how to make sure that they feel comfortable, you know, during the transition. And so that's kind of our, that's our, that's our first step at onboarding is like, Hey, here's how, here's our philosophy and a framework to help you make decisions, you know, within um, here's how we're going to agree to, to measure our success and to, and to talk about it. Um, and then, you know, here's, and then the next step is like, let's get to know the team. And so, one of the regional manager's primary jobs is to marshal resources at the shared services level on behalf of the school. So call the GM. Hey, how's it going? What's happening today? What do you need? And, uh, you know, I need this. And, okay, let's get that. You know, let's get recruitment on the phone and make sure that you have a violin teacher because we have a teacher that's leaving. We have, we need, you know, we need help from professional development because we have a teacher that's having an issue with this or that, or, you know, just wants more support or it's not working. There's something going on. Um, we want to run a marketing campaign. We want to spin up a new group class. We want to market a summer camp. We want to, you know, any of these kinds of things. Um, sort of like, how do I get support for this on a day-to-day -day basis? It, it generally flows through the, the regional manager to make sure that that GM gets what they need to be successful. And I think, you know, bringing the conversation back to the majority of the audience, like, you know, most owners could sit in the regional manager seat if they wanted to, right? They could say, hey, what's happening at the school, at the, at the school today? Okay, you know, we're having a problem with this. Let me put you in touch with our marketing agency, you know, that, that handles these sorts of things. Let's make sure we get a, a solution for that. Um, you know, maybe the owner personally is the HR department and they need to get involved with, you know, recruitment or, a, you know, kind of a performance issue or something like that. Um, so I think that, you know, the, the, the owner of, of any music school could really easily sit in that regional manager seat if they wanted to, but it, re it requires letting go of that first line responsibility. Yes. And making it clear that the GM's in in charge, if that's the relationship that they want to have, right? It's it's hard to to be accountable to you know be visible to all the parents and be accountable to you know to everything that happens in the building, and then also be able to step away from it. And so, um, I think a lot of owners could envision themselves in that regional manager seat if they wanted to, and have that type of relationship with a general manager if that was what they were hoping for. I don't know about you, but I didn't get an owner's manual when I started my music school. And I wasted a lot of time on trial and error and making things up as I went along. But you don't have to do that. Nate and I are building a library of resources and tools exclusively for fans of this podcast. 
Go to growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS and sign up to receive podcast updates, free resources, and even submit questions for us to answer on the podcast. That's growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS. And we look forward to answering your questions. You know, um, I want to get into compensation, benefits packages. I loved your comment around a career path. You're absolutely right, or career progression, rather, was the language you used. Um, Before I do, Daniel had a great question that I I feel like now's a great time to ask it. Daniel, if I could ask on your behalf. Oh, yeah, go ahead. um, Which was, okay, many of our listeners may not be ready to hire a GM full-time or even 25 hours a week. What can they do right now to begin to prepare for that moment? When, like, in other words, they're listening to you, they're inspired, they're like, man, this role will be great in my school eventually. But in your mind, what do you think needs to happen uh, as an owner right now over the next, say, let's say they want to hire them by, you know, within six to 12 months. What do you think needs to happen for them to begin to get organized enough and prepare for that hire? It's an interesting question. I would say, Hiring any kind of front desk staff is a great intermediate step, right? I mean, I think it would be very rare to go directly from I'm an owner operator to I have a general manager. So even if you just have, you know, front desk staff that you bring in on Saturdays so you can, you know, take the weekend to be home with your family or, you know, whatever, like, you know, so, so having some kind of front desk staff is, is, is definitely the the intermediate step. And what that's going to necessitate is, document building and documenting processes so that that person can do your job while you're not there. And because if you have a front desk staff that's there and they call you six times during their shift to ask you how to do stuff, like the system's not working, right? There's too, too much. That's not, that's not been defined or that hasn't been, you know, that hasn't been kind of appropriately delegated or empowered at the, you know, to have them be successful in that role. So, you know, documenting all the stuff that happens on a day-to-day basis. How do I handle a prospect phone call? How do I sign up a new student? How do I deal with an enroll, uh, you know, withdrawal request? How do I deal with a customer service complaint? Even if it's, you know, hey, I've, I've heard you. I understand the, the issue. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to report that to the owner. And they're going to get back nice. to you on Monday, you know, like if that's, if that's the arrangement, right? Um, so I think, I, I think, you know, that's, that's a lot of the steps on the process. And then, to me, the, the the definition of you know front desk staff all the way up to general manager is very fluid. Right. I think you know you can have you can have really high performing front desk staff that you don't you know they're there they run the show you don't think about it um, maybe they've been there for a while like functionally that's a general manager mm-hmm. right you know if you ask them to do that on a full time basis like mm-hmm. that's the job um, and and you might have full time staff that are kind of the opposite right they're not you know they're for for whatever reason whether it's their personality or, or some, some, some gaps in training or, or kind of culture, they're not, they're not able to step into that kind of mindset. And they are kind of really doing just the front desk thing and passing everything off to you. And um, so it's, it, it's a, it's a fluid thing. And I, I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's as uh, it needs to be as, as sudden maybe as, as the question implies, I think mm-hmm. you can have somebody that's there and even if it's a teacher, right? One of your teachers, you hire them to work Saturdays at the front desk, you know, and then you say, hey, this is working really well. Do you want to do Mondays too? So I can take a long <laughs> weekend. And then all of a sudden they're working 25 hours. And then like, 
you know, than the other general manager, right? Like, I think that's, I think that's actually like a really natural progression for somebody in this role. And, you know, it's a lot lower stakes than what we're doing, which is saying, hey, we have to replace an owner. Can you, can you right, do this yeah. now? And, you know, can we, can we bet that you're going to be the right fit? I mean, as an owner, you have the luxury of like tiptoeing into this. Um, and we have to be, we got to jump in with both feet because we, you know, we just bought a business and the owner is looking to do something. I different. love that right there, Jeff. And I'm, I'm that mindset piece. It might not even present itself as a mindset piece, but anyone listening to this and their wheels start turning and they hear you say that they're like, Oh, actually that's a good point. The stakes aren't as high. I can scale this job up with that person. I love that. Um, Nate, you want to talk about budget compensation? I do. I want to, I want to, this is, this is, you know, I love numbers, Jeff. So I appreciate you being as transparent as you can around compensation, et cetera. Um, and probably where I kind of want to wrap this a bit, um, might have one other closing question. I'm just rereading all my notes here, but let's just talk about compensation range. So you've mentioned a benefits package. Maybe you could be specific around that. Like, is it medical retirement savings? Is there anything else that you're I'm I'm, I'm not mentioning or, and then also just I know it's regional because we've already touched on this idea. Like there's cost of living is very different in the BK yeah. as it may be uh, elsewhere, right? So fair enough. Um, yeah. But can you talk in terms of that compensation package? And can you even would, uh, Daniel and I talk a lot in terms of percentages of revenue? Like what percentage do we see yeah. going to that line item? Or that it's not a line item at all. It's a it's a highly valuable human, but you know that percentage there. Um, would you mind sharing how you guys strategize that? Sure. So uh, it, it, I did not get a list of questions in advance <laughs> of this call, but I did anticipate that you asked this question, so I nice. thought about how to answer it. And I think the, the the way that the best way that I came up with it is we are paying our general managers. So most of them are full time salary. Mm-hmm. I'll talk about that in a second. But if you reduce that to an hourly basis. We're paying most of our general managers in the range of 65 to 80% of what we pay our mm. teachers. So if you think about your teacher's hourly rate, like whatever is market in your in your area, we're paying our general managers two-thirds to four-fifths of that amount. Um, and you know, so for most of the country, it's you know, it's 25 or 30 dollars an hour. Um, is is kind of around what that what that works out to. Um so in terms of kind of the full package, we're, you know, we're generally paying folks on a full-time salary basis. They're getting, you know, paid time off that's, you know, intended to kind of coincide with school closures that are, that are part of that. Um, they're getting the profit share, which, you know, for most folks works out to about 10 to 15% of their annual comp. So it's, mm-hmm. it's meaningful. Um, and we pay it quarterly. Mm-hmm. So we pay, you know, we basically kind of total up the profit for each quarter it's a, it's often enough that it matters, but it's not monthly where it kind of fluctuates and who knows what's going on. And it provides a nice cadence to sit and talk about, Hey, we just yes. finished a quarter That's here's cool. your check, and here's how we did. Right. And, and what's going on. Um, and, you know, it helps them understand even like, you know, Hey, I didn't really get much profit sharing in Q3. Why is that? Well, it's because the months of July and August were in there. And by the way, we don't actually make yes. much money these time of the year. So maybe like, right. You know, you can feel you can feel what I feel in terms of the, you know, the like, you know, how the school's doing, right? And like how happy we are when that back to school season rolls around and we work really hard to get all these students signed up and um all that, all that kind of stuff. So so yeah, so so salary, profit share, quarterly, you know, and 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 um what we're what we're doing is we're paying, you know, between three and five percent of net profit uh to us um directly to the mm. to the school owner. Uh, or to the school. 
to the, to the general, to the general manager. Um, and it's, it's really easy. It's really easy to, for them to, for us to explain, for them to understand and for them to believe when we say, Hey, you know, you have, you have a, a vested stake here and that, you know, if you work hard, you know, you'll see the results in your, in your paycheck. So, um, can I do a clarifier on that, Jeff, for our listeners, just because not, a, they don't all maybe necessarily have the financial fluency that you do of looking at it this way. Um, so to clarify, you're you're paying about sixty five to you said sorry I lost my note but you said it's around sixty five to eighty percent of what a teacher would make hourly, and to be clear that that role is a full time role so they have more hours there so they're going to see a higher paycheck generally than that piano teacher who's in there yeah. two days a week so that's important for yeah right. yeah so if you, if you take yeah if you if you if you're paying your teacher thirty dollars an hour for easy math you know you're paying your GM twenty to twenty five dollars an hour. You know, times forty hours a week times fifty-two right. weeks a year equals forty to fifty thousand dollars a year base salary. And uh, whereas that that piano teacher might be seeing, you know, a third of that because they're working a third of the hours, right? Or m- less than a third yeah. of the hours. Yeah. Um, uh, you made yeah. a couple of details in there that I think are really important because this is a this is um, something that's that BMF has experimented a lot with, and I just want to state it out loud for our listeners. You said there's paid time off. That's always a, that's usually a very foreign concept for a music school to consider paid time off with their, um, and I'm and I'm not talking about if you have W two employees that you need to have paid sick leave. Those things are all um, mandated for us, right? Um, we're talking about paid time. We're talking about like paid go on a paid go on vacation and get paid, right? Um, but you pointed out that you try to align them with when the schools closed, et cetera. Anyways. And that's an important detail. BMF actually yeah. hasn't done that. We've allowed our team to take holiday whenever they want, with probably the only exception being my wife, who is the equivalent of our GM, Jessica, who we go on vacation yeah. together, and it's usually when we're closed, you know. Um, but at any rate, that's an important little detail there. And yeah, but we we give both, right? So we're giving we're giving some paid time off around obvious right. holidays: Memorial Day, Labor Day, Fourth of July, Christmas, yep. Thanksgiving, and then we're giving. A number, a number of days. Okay, got possible. it. Okay, good. That's yeah. similar to us. And, Dig it. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, it's look, it's it's intended to to be you know to be equitable, right? I mean, it's sort of like be reasonable with us, we'll be reasonable with you. You know, it's your brother's right. wedding. <laughs> you know, go no problem. Like, you know, like once you have someone on a salary, like what are you going to do? Not like, not pay them? <laughs> you know, so like you're doing this anyway, right? So you might as well formally, you know, agree to it and, and set expectations and get credit for it as the employer for, you know, for providing. Yeah, and, you know, and so. Jeff, uh, you know, and a really important um, thing to point out here is for a lot of school owners, the idea of a salaried position is actually foreign, right? When, when we have, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they're, they're, the, the music school model is oftentimes built on this, a collection of hourly people, right? And so the notion of like, no, well, now you're full-time salaried at 40 hours a week. The first thing, you know, when when that happened at BMF and we started bringing on teachers into full-time salaried positions, one of the first things they asked was like, well, so, you know, like, when does work start? You know, you're just like, oh, this sort of mindset shift. There's a lot of work there around that to just be like, hey, it actually, there isn't like a hard start and a hard end necessarily and it's always an open conversation because we want to make sure that you're always in a happy place doing what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. However, and you pointed this out earlier, which is which was great that you did, you know, gig season, we're in our songwriting party season. 
and Will, who's our community manager and he's full time, I'm, you know, are there full time. Yeah. Will's working seven days this week because we're going to make sure that there's some space on the backside. Um, can I add? Yeah. So let me just finish. Let me just finish the benefits question because we didn't. We yeah, didn't please, cut, please do. Cut off there. So, so we are. Um, so we talked about salary. We talked about profit share. In terms of benefits, there's a couple things that we're offering. Um, pay time off is one of them. So we just covered that. Um, we are offering, you know, medical, dental, and vision insurance. So kind of full health benefits. Um, you know, we pay 80% of the employee costs. So they're, you know, they're contributing 20% nice. of that, you know, themselves. Um, you know, we have the advantage of being a larger employer. And so, you know, we get better rates on that. That may be challenging to do if you only have one full-time employee, right? That may not be possible. And so there's other ways of approaching that. You know, there's things called like a individual coverage, health reimbursement account, like ICRA, you know, type stuff where you can provide money on a tax-free basis for your, you know, for your employee to go purchase their own care. There's lots of things you can do to, you know, to kind of supplement that if that's not an if group benefits are not an option for you, but they are for us. We do offer them. They're very competitive. You know, it's great. It's great coverage, right? I mean, just it's it's. I mean, I grew up outside of this country. You know, the idea that that healthcare is tied to your employment is kind of mm. foreign to me. But it is it is what we deal with, and so you know, we're trying to do the best that we can. Um, so, health benefits are, are obviously a big lever for us. Um, you know, I think I mentioned earlier we also offer that to teachers starting at thirty hours a week. So it's a big incentive for a teacher to add that, you know, that fifth day right. and teach that, you know, that extra hour with us is because, you know, they're, they, they become quite committed to us because we're, you know, we're offering health benefits and that's an, another, you know, again, another big attraction and retention lever for us. That's a, a different, a differentiator. Um, and then all of our staff, whether you work one hour a week or 40 hours a week, but that doesn't matter. We, you have access to this 401k program mm-hmm. that we offer. Um, it's a pretty, it's a pretty standard um, kind of, uh, it's called a safe Harbor plan. That means that, we there's an IRS approved um, contribution formula that means that you know we're not we're automatically deemed to be in, to be compliant and we're not subject to you know a lot of testing around uh, non discrimination that kind of thing. Um, so we offer a four percent employer match into our four hundred one k, and we use a vendor um, that I actually like to recommend by name. It's it's called Guideline. Mm. Um, not affiliated with them in any way. I don't get any value for for saying that. But one of the things I like about it is it's. It's um it's very friendly to folks that are not financially savvy. Um, so you can if you if you are not a finance a finance expert, you can get in there. You can set up a four hundred one k and you can answer questions in plain English about um this is this is this is how old I am. These are my retirement goals. This is my level of financial fluency, and it will algorithmically generate something that's like a pretty reasonable starting place for you in terms of what you should be invested in. Um, and, and that's really valuable to our teachers who again may yes, not have those skills. Um. We, we talked about the, the teacher seminars. Um, you know, one of the more popular ones that we run is about every year I do a personal finance workshop. Um, that, that is my background. Nice. Um, and so I do a personal finance seminar for all of our staff about once a year, um, just to catch, you know, new group, new crops of people that have, that have come on to, to ensemble. Um, but we like guideline because, um, because it's, it's pretty, um, it's pretty friendly from a setup and onboarding perspective. Um, in terms of like getting your account invested in stuff that makes sense for you without having to know anything about it. Can I make, can I ask one last clarifier? And then I, and, and then I think you did a beautiful job of answering that benefits package. You said three to 5% of net profit is what ends up um, going, you think on average to the GMs. Is that for, in their entire benefits package or were you referencing profit sharing? Sorry, I wasn't clear. That's profit. That's that's straight profit right. share. So it's like 
pull out a PL, what's the bottom number, you know, excluding depreciation, you know, what's the number we've agreed to multiply that by, you know, three, four or five percentage points. Yeah. That's what you get. That's that, that, that was the piece I wasn't clear on. Um, I think that's amazing, Jeff. I love the perspective on GMs that you're bringing because you're just doing it at a scale that we're not accustomed to. You know, we, we think we're working on our own little, we think we're working on an island as a school owner and our problems are unique to our own program. But you're really sort of enlightening us on this idea that, well, actually we're all facing a lot of the exact same questions and the KPIs are basically the same across all, they're all they are the same across all 41 of your schools. And so I think our listeners can learn a ton around this notion of how to, like, and you put it, of who may already be in their organization right now, teed up and ready to take on more autonomy and ownership and accountability. Um, I just, it's it's awesome. I, I just kind of wanted to piggyback off of that and just yeah. offer kind of one thing at the end here, which is, you know, our, our, our group of general managers is, you know, as I mentioned, very diverse in terms of backgrounds, very diverse in terms of skill sets, and relatively uniformly successful at operating schools that are, you know, that are pretty different from each other in terms of, you know, expectations and what the community is looking for and all that kind of stuff. And so I think, you know, if this seems intimidating, you know, know that we've had a lot of success with a lot of different people, you know, plugging them into these roles. And, you know, if we were talking about any one of your listeners' businesses, you know, I guarantee you I could hire a general manager to run it and that they would do a great job of supporting your students, your parents, your teachers. And, you know, the our, our main mission as Ensemble is to take care of these incredible music communities that have been built and that have been entrusted to us for safekeeping after the owners decided to do something different with mm. their time. And, you know, I, I know with a lot of data and experience at this point that it can be done. Um, and, you know, you can do it, you as a listener can do it yourself if you, if you want to, you know, take, take, take that step back from your business, focus on, you know, some of the higher level, whether you want to be kind of the regional manager equivalent for your business while you're doing other things, um, whether you just want to have that freedom to step away from the kind of, you know, the, the entrepreneurial vortex, you know, and, and, you know, be able to turn that off some of the time, it can be done. And I know that, you know, if we were talking about any business in particular, we could find somebody often from inside the community already to yeah. run it. And it, it shouldn't be, it sh I, I don't want to give the idea that this is a really, um, you know, such a stark change from like general, like state operation business yes. as usual, you know, it's, it's not, it's not that far away. If you are in the stage of your career where you're thinking about selling eventually, um, you know, that's a way to make your business much more attractive to mm -hmm. a potential acquire like us. You know, we're going to really love schools that have GMs already in place. And it's a way of, you know, experimenting with that idea too, right? If, if you're saying, hey, maybe I want to step away from my business, maybe I want to try being kind of semi-retired, you know, hiring somebody to take over both makes that, you know, brings that goal closer, but also allows you to experience that more days than not. Um, and can you know can provide a nice transition point for you know for for you on the on the off ramp of uh, of the entrepreneurial journey. Hey, it's Nate again. You know, every year at Brooklyn Music Factory, we get dozens and dozens of great reviews from our families. And you want to know how? 
because we ask them. And they're happy to leave a review because of the positive impact that we've made on them. And so now I have a simple ask for you. If this podcast, the 7FMS podcast, was helpful to you, would you mind leaving a review for Daniel and I? And please share the podcast with another music school owner that you think might benefit. It's one of the best ways that you can support us. We appreciate it.